Welcome to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. Our goal is to help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us. Now, let's join our team as we get to follow up, break down, and gain deeper insight into this week's message. Hey guys, welcome back to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. I'm Justin Oswald, the Executive Pastor of TC. Back again with me is Lead Pastor Brad Livingston. What's up, guys? I'm going to be back another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast, and uh, we are here. Um, man, just uh, excited, coming off a good weekend, and yeah. and um, you know we'll get in we'll get into all that goodness here in just a few minutes. We're, uh, we're on a little early for the live. We're, we're on a little early. If you're watching us on Facebook Live, we're uh, uh, jumping in in your commute to work for some of you. Um, and so, but nonetheless, we, I hope they ain't watching on their commute to work. Well, <laughs> you know, you that know, could be a dangerous. You know, if you're on Highway 29 right now, you're not commuting anywhere. You're sitting That's still right. in traffic. That's true. That's as as so Pastor true. Dan and myself <laughs> have been doing. So, um, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, it's good to good to be here. And so, thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, before we get into our sermon, I want to welcome uh, our special guest, the third person in our. <laughs> In our trinity. No, I'm just kidding. And, uh, <laughs> on the uh, pastoral lead team and our found pastor, founding pastor at TC and also my dad, Pastor Dan. Yep. What's going <laughs> so, on? Um, here. And it's been a while since you've been on with us. Yeah, it has. You've been at home doing nothing? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. been playing golf every day. <laughs> oh, my club would explode if I hit a ball with it right now. <laughs> I haven't even had a fishing rod out, so that tells oh, you how man, busy yeah. I've been. Man, at least you're getting close to hunting season. Right, yeah, you, you uh, did it. two more weeks. We're going to be in a tree stand in Kentucky for sure. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you were ju- you just came back, right? Yeah, yeah. We were up for the bow hunt in September. Headed back up. I think I saw a picture recently of Pastor Scott. He was hunting somewhere recently, wasn't he? He's always hunting somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't matter when it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he has the connections all around the world. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. that's so, exciting. Yeah. So um, he'll be with me in the next couple of weeks, though. Yeah, so you guys leave. When is that trip? Uh, September 4th through the... November 4th? I mean, yeah, November 4th we uh, head out. and Up there for two weeks, we live in the woods. Oh, boy. Yeah. Camo, yeah. mud, and here we go. Yep. <laughs> I, I can I, see the excitement on both of your no, faces. No, not, not at all. Not at all. It's like... Uh, yeah, I hope y'all have You're a welcome. lot of fun. You're welcome. I hope y'all have a lot of fun. You don't I, have to hunt. Someone can clean the house, the cabin, and the other one can cook. Uh, uh, no, that doesn't you can sleep in. Not a vacation. That's. It's <laughs> not like I'm coming to be a, a maid. A bunch of <laughs> right. a bunch of hunters. I wouldn't mind <laughs> hanging out and cooking. I could probably do that, but I ain't. Yeah. Y'all got yeah. Wi-Fi up there? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> We don't go for that. That's why we go up there. Yeah, right. right. We go. <laughs> we don't want Wi-Fi. Yeah, exactly. That's what. That's like with me. You know, uh, I fly out today, so I fly out today to go to Kentucky. I'll be there for a few days back before Sunday. But uh, you know, everyone's like, "Why are you going to Kentucky?" And in the winter, like it's cold now. Like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, "Well, first of all, we got family up there." I was like, "They're like," and there's like probably ter- terrible cell phone service. And I was like. That's right. That's, yeah. that's yeah, right. part of the reason. Yeah, that's there. why I'm going up there. Yeah. So. I tell you what's cool about that is I, this was a, this was in back in 09. So it's been a while. It's been 10 years, but a group of friends, we went on a cruise and I know it's changed since then with these like plans and international plans or even yeah. in the Bahamas, there's better, you know, but back then, you know, we didn't have cell service out there. Uh, and, and this was not like smartphones 
where there might be Wi-Fi you could pay for to have on the ship or whatever. So you just turn the phone off. And after about a day, you really, you kind of got used to it. You were really into not not having your phone attached to you. And, you know, no one's calling because if they did, they're not getting through. You know, it's just like you just leave it in the room and it was just, it was nice. It was nice. It's it's, it's got to be worse now, you know, with the text and the Uh, notifications and the emails and then this and then that. Yeah. Um, to be able to just disconnect for a while. No kidding. Yeah. That's it, exciting. It is, man. Cause, uh, it's, it, it's just one of those things where sometimes you got to get away. Sometimes you got to break up the, the chaos a little bit and, and man. Yeah. Cause, uh, there's plenty of things out there for our attention and that's the, that's I think true. that's the biggest thing, you know, that's true. Well, I think that's, it really goes into a lot of what you preach Sunday and, and probably some of the topics we'll go into today, but my generation did not know how to do that. Mm-hmm. We were taught you're not supposed to do that. You know, you're a pastor, you're 24 seven, you're every day, all, every yeah. week, every month, all year, you don't take a break. Mm-hmm. You know, if you do, you're failing your people. And, and, uh, in reality, you were failing yourself and your family. Yeah. And, uh, that's why 1700 pastors a month are leaving the ministry. And if you yeah. look at those 1700, the largest percentage of them aren't the young guys. It's the seniors that are burnt out. They're tired. They're uh, frustrated. Yeah. They're afraid. Their marriage is in trouble. Their ministry struggling, and it's because they didn't didn't know. wasn't that they didn't learn? We were taught you don't. So well, uh, they didn't learn to take those breaks. And I'm glad to see that you're doing that. I was talking Sunday at church to uh, Miss Dawn, you know, um, and she was sitting out at the. She, she serves on our Connect team, you know, and I was out there and I, I talking to her. And I don't know. She was talking to someone else. I don't know what they were really talking about. And then when I came up. She was talking about a statistic she recently read about pastors that it takes five years for the average pastor to burn out, which that didn't sound like a long time to me. No, but not at all. <clears throat> you know, if you have unrealistic expectations placed upon you, or like you said, that kind of mindset, I could see that happening. You know, five years is not that long, really, but you yeah. know, if it's if it's constant, and then I'd be so curious what the number is if there's stats on it of how many pastors' kids end up not in church or uh, they, they don't fine. end up in ministry, but maybe not even end up in church because they watch their, their parents. The latest that I saw, and it could be wrong today, so don't hold me this, but the latest that I saw it was over 80% of pastors, children leave the church by at age 21. Ooh, yeah. That's, that that's are no crazy. longer there. And it's not that they've lost their faith in God. They've lost their faith in the church because of what they saw it yeah. due to their parents. Um, and and pastoring is not bad. No, I don't want to. I love what I've done. The church has been good to my wife and I and to my family. I mean, we we had to deal with you know when you deal with uh, people, and I'm one of those people. Right. We bring our issues and our emotions and everything to deal it. With the, deal with the ox. And pastoring's parenting. Yeah. And so if That's you if good. you're a parent today of two children, uh, just you can what's pastoring like is however many's in that church. If it's a hundred, <laughs> if it's a thousand, you're parenting those. Yeah. And you carry the burden, you carry the emotion, you carry the responsibility, you're to teach, you're to train, you're to mentor, you're to do all the things that you do with a child. And and people take that as an insult sometimes when we say it, but let's all be honest. When we're sick, we all act like a child. Yeah. You know, when yeah. we're sick, we're in that recliners like, honey, will you get me? Or, <laughs> you know, if you're going through something on your job, it's like you're afraid you're, you act like a child. In a sense, you, you lower your... Right. Um, mentality as far as your emotions and how you respond to things. And that's what pastoring is. It's, it's taking people. I tell people when your children are minors, you parent them, you make the decisions for them. When they become adults, 
you coach them. I'm no longer, I was no longer responsible for my children's decisions when they became adults. I'm still their father, but now I'm not their parent. I'm their coach. I don't make decisions for them, nor am I responsible for those decisions, Mm -hmm. but I I walk them through it. I coach them through good decisions or bad decisions. That's That's what pastoring is. We're coaches because most of our, to our adults, we can't make decisions for people, but we're still responsible for them. In a yeah. sense of as a parent, you know, a father, a spiritual father. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's a heavy load. Yeah. And so if you don't get away from that <laughs> for a season a throughout pressure. the year, not one time a year, but throughout the year, it will overwhelm you. And, and it did me. And it yeah. has done many, many pastors. And, and it has caused many marriages to fail. It has caused children to leave the church because their dad wasn't there for them. He was always there for somebody else. And so I, I tell every pastor today, it needs to be part of what your church agrees to when you take on that church is uh, you and your wife and you alone sometime, but you're getting away and uh, you're going to regroup. And, and another thing that uh, this generation is seeing that our generation looked and frowned upon was uh, just sitting down with a counselor yeah, and talking to somebody that's not a part of your church mm-hmm. and talking your life personally, talking your marriage, talking your finances. Well, and knowing that you're staying healthy. That's yeah. been that's been talk of a lot of people, even in some podcasts that I listen to. Yeah. Luckily yeah. from from guys a little old like Kerry uh, Newhoff who's I think I guess he's in his fifties, Kerry Newhoff. Yeah, it's fifty uh, fifty, sixty, somewhere in there. Yeah. Mid late fifties, maybe mm-hmm. sixty, but um, you know, bringing this mental health to the yeah. to something that's not taboo in the yeah. church world, you know, yeah. and that, that I mean, especially when we got these pastors as been committing suicide yeah. you know it is important but everybody should talk to somebody i i do i'm not not like on a weekly basis but i have a, a friend of mine he's a pastor um but i go i don't know once every other month drive up to about an hour where he's at and just, yeah. I, we hang out but it's just a kind of way for me to you know you have to yeah and he's got a, a degree in counseling like that's one of his things and um yeah i think it's important Absolutely, yeah. and, and something we've been talking about a lot is a Sabbath. You know, it's making sure that there's a try to have a Sabbath as much as possible, like a, a rest day. You know, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I guess it was important for God to talk <laughs> yeah. about it. You know, yeah. so we ought to we ought to try to abide by that some and and and, and do that. Well, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm totally honored what you're saying there. I think we have to be careful that we don't let other things stop that. I, I don't. I think we can't even go to the point that we go, let's try to make that happen. No, we have to make that happen. Yeah. And and the Sabbath is not a Sunday for a pastor. It's not. And you know, that's, that's said. the busiest day of yeah. our week, you that's know. Right. So yeah. then all of a sudden there's this expectation <laughs> of the people for you to be there on Monday or whatever your day is. You right. have to mentally block that day out. And physically block it out, and that's why you need a strong staff. And thankfully, uh, we have that here. Yeah, that they take that load so that you can do that. You know, again, when my generation were, was leading, we it wasn't a thing to have a staff like that. It, you were the hospital visitor, you were the counselor, you were the marriage person. You you did it all, and yeah. so to have a day to take off was like that's not going to happen because there was always an emergency that day and there was nobody there to take care of it. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's the, that's the hard part. I mean, you know, uh, when you, when you start assessing, you know, 40 or 50 hour work weeks for the general public, you know, it's like, um, you know, just for our schedule alone, you know, but Sunday, Monday, Tuesday are all three 14 to 15 hour days for, 
for us. So in between Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, we've, you know, uh, I, for me, for example, with the pipelines, many other things, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we've already worked more hours than most people have worked Monday through Friday, like just in those three days. And so, um, not that it's a, a comparison or like we work harder. It's not any of those things. It's just helping people understand. It's like, so when you see certain times, so, you know, that's a, and then we still work Wednesday and Thursday, you know what I mean? And it's like, so, you know, you're, you're rocking 60 to 80 hour weeks at a given time. Not to mention, I mean, you know, growing up in the house, how many times people call at 7 30 PM and so-and-so is rushed to the hospital. And so, yeah. you know, there, there we go again, you know, and it's like, so there's just, there's not a lot of clocking out now. Um, that's one of the good things about our team is, is, you know, we've built up teams that can handle some of those things. You know, we have hospital visitation teams and, and we have people that can go in and visit them, you know, when we can't get there or they even beat us there a lot of times. And so, um, there are, there are like, there's well, times that it's making know. sure everybody's cared for. Yeah. 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 Cause it goes back to what I say is parenting. That's right. And you never turn off parenting. Right. right. You don't turn off coaching, you know, is something we were called to do. It's what we love to do. It's not yeah. a burden. So I want to make sure, you know, that's out oh, there yeah. that it's not something like, oh man, we have to do this another week. No, we get to do this another week. Yeah. And right. the honor to be called to be pastors and leaders. Um, but it does require a lot. And, uh, and you got to make sure you're getting rest. You got to make sure you're getting rest for it, you know, and that's why it's, it's, it's important. You know, we, you know, we grind, we go, it's, you know, um, and so these things are just necessary in the, and we were just talking about that in the pipeline last night, this the mental health thing, you know, um, talking to them about, you know, cause we're going through our freedom, we're going through freedom with all the pipeline students and, you know, um, we got to where we were talking about like the lies that we believe and which kind of led into mental health and how sometimes your parents are the, are responsible for some of those lies that you believe, whether you tell them to yourself or whether other people tell them to you and just all those things, right? Like how all that was kind of coming together. And we were talking, we were talking about this idea of like really paying attention to mental health and something that's something the church has just neglected, you know? And I think it's twofold. I think the church has neglected it because the previous generations never wanted to talk about it. You know, it's like, well, just, you just, just suck it up. And it's like, well, okay. Like, <laughs> like these are legitimate issues. Not to mention that some of these issues are the issues that the generation before us caused. So there's that issue. It's like, you could suck it up because you're not, you didn't run into the things we ran into, you know? Um, so you got like that side of it, but then the other side of it is, you know, like we're, we're dealing with higher rates of depression. We're dealing with you know, with social media is creating anxiety and we like, we're just like, there's a number, there's just all these arenas, uh, that's, that's causing that these conversations to have to be had. And so, um, really encouraging them, like, man, you, you, you gotta do whatever you gotta do to take care of yourself because it's, it's, you know, no one's, no one's, no one's doing you any favors to decrease the amount of time you're putting into stuff right? or to decrease your distractions. You know, if anything more is pulling at your attention, more is pulling at your capacity, more is trying to pull you away from all the things that you're doing. Uh, and so it's very easy to find yourself at the end of every week, exhausted and gassed out. And, and, you know, I tell people this all the time. I had a buddy of mine just come up to me the other day, cause I've been telling him this for like three years. And he finally came to me the other day and was like, bro, I never heard you, but such you know these things just happen and i finally heard you and i was like bro you got to stop killing yourself and destroying your family for a job that'll replace you tomorrow if they have to like i'm not telling you not to work that's not what i'm saying right. <laughs> what i'm saying is 
Don't miss your kids' birthday parties for a job that will quickly fill your shoes with another employee by hiring someone else tomorrow if they have to. Like We give ourselves to these corporations and these careers and they do not give back to us in the same capacity. And so um, it's just encouraging people to like, man, you really got to assess how much of yourself you give to something that's not prepared to give everything back to you. Um, well, it, it goes back to the, the book we've been reading as a staff, this, yeah. uh, the, the Erwin McManus book talking about it's, it's, it's about relationships and people far more than it is, things like like jobs and stuff at the end of the day it's just it's just not worth it and yeah. and I, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast before one thing i've i know we've talked about it in, in person one thing that i've done in my life and this is just a tip for for anyone listening to help with some of this is notification settings on your phone yeah go and adjust those notification settings you don't need to get an alert every time an email comes through um you start training that dope. Once you get used to that dopamine release not being there, and the mm-hmm. need to the need to feel needed yeah. by, with notifications and especially social media notifications, all that can be turned off. And when you get into when you open up Facebook, when you're ready to be in Facebook, you'll see the Facebook notifications. Uh, the do not disturb settings. Like if you're married, you may want to click at eight o'clock p.m. It goes your phone goes in a do not disturb. And then and the cool thing is you can even set favorites where. If your dad is your favorite and he calls at nine, it still comes through because he's a right. favorite. You don't miss that call. But everything else, it's a do not disturb and yep. it doesn't interrupt your time with your, you know, like there's all these features that are, are at our disposal Yeah, to use. But I've, I've really adjusted my notification settings, you know, on, mm-hmm. on Friday or Slack. Yep. I really have mine. I, I open Slack twice a day to kind of check it. But other than that, I don't get the notification because I try to tr- use Friday as like my Sabbath day. I don't want all the dings going off, you know. <laughs> and, plenty and, of those, and it's just helpful. Yeah. It's really helpful. Yeah, no, it is, man. Because it helps me with to focus on my peace. Right, right, right. That's what I was gonna say. There's plenty of because there's plenty of things disrupting our peace out there. You know, um, I think we we've even learned a, a few things in this focus series about um, going into 2020, just like what people are dealing with and and where we can continue to help people see what God's already given us. I think that's the beautiful part about what we're talking about in the, in the focus series. It's like, none of this is new. <laughs> you know it's what not, I mean? Like, it's not, it's a good not, point. It's, it's not, not new. new. Like this is, you know, everything we preached on Sunday was using scripture that's been around for thousands of years. <laughs> you know, it's like, we just have to have our focus brought back, you know, but, no pun intended. But. but I heard more feedback after Sunday than I have in a while on a, on a message. Yeah, same um, here. And it's always it's always funny. We talked about this. It's yeah. always funny. Um, it's actually you that did it to me. It was actually you. And I told them uh, it was a couple weeks ago. You, it, it's funny what what speaks to people that you're not sure of if it will or not. But I remember a couple weeks ago I did a transition in service, and I didn't think it was anything special. I actually didn't care for it. When I came back, you were like, "That was one of the best transitions we've had." And it's just like, wow. I didn't. I wouldn't have thought that, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and and maybe because I see these notes ahead of Sunday, like you know, yeah. you, it's good. But man, I heard so much good feedback. And like you say, this isn't new stuff. But based on the feedback, this is real stuff that people, mm-hmm. people in our church yeah. and, and elsewhere. But you know, we're we're responsible for caring for the people in our church. But this is something that's speaking to people. You know, that's important. Yeah, I mean, I think that in a day in the day and age of social media. And in the day and age of um, just just stress, man, you know, we kind of joked a little bit in some of it where it's like, you know, like you, you're – 
we talk about like new moms, you know, some of these, some of these 20 and 30 year olds who are having their first kid right now, you know, and they're freaking out like, <laughs> and 16 year olds, <laughs> and, and but when they're like freaking out and they're like, you know, it's like, uh, uh, it's just so like, the, it, it, they're almost coming across this mentality of like, I'm never getting any sleep. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And it's so like, it, it, it's like, they, they kind of act like they're the first ones to have a child. Like, no one else knows what it feels like. It's like, you do know that women have been doing this for <laughs> since the beginning of time, right? Like yeah. babies have been crying and keeping their mothers awake since zero, zero, zero BC. Like it's, <laughs> well, you, you were know. talking about how you wish they're babies and you look forward to the time that they're like two or three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when the two or three, you look forward to, that was you know, powerful. It was. That was a powerful well, and there's a country song and you're not a country fan. It's a, it's a little no, older, but no. it's like the whole idea of you're going to miss this. Yeah. Like yeah. you're, you're one day you're going to miss, yeah, the, the the baby crying and stuff, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. So you were talking about kind of living in the moment. Yeah, that's essentially, ex- yeah, that's exactly what. Just appreciating the appreciating the journey, even the parts that you would rather not go through again, <clears throat> even the parts that hurts or the parts that are difficult. You got to appreciate the journey because I think for a lot of people, um, you know, I, I think for a lot of people, one of the biggest reasons why they're battling with depression and some of those things is they feel like their life is going nowhere. They feel like it's kind of pointless. And, and a lot of that is because they're waiting for this glorious moment where everything makes sense and is better. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that idea came from <laughs> that, that one day happens. Like I, I don't, you know, uh, I'm assuming people have probably battled with this for generations. This probably isn't anything new to us. This is probably just something all people have always battled with that you're, you know, you're, uh, you're looking for that, that moment, you know? And, and I, I don't know <laughs> what it is, but I mean, I think I, people are wishing their life away. I wish I wasn't in this season. And so oh, that's good. Like the, the, I just, I, I wish I wasn't dealing with this. And so they're waiting for the time that they're not dealing with this, whatever this is, you know, air quotes like this, um, until, you know, finally when they're done with this, then they got to deal with that. And so then they're wishing that away. And it's, it, and before you know it, 10, 12, 15, 20 years has gone by and you haven't appreciated anything because all you were trying to do is survive. And that's such a, that, that, that's, not a way to live <laughs> like this no wonder you don't have joy no wonder you're depressed like you all you're doing is hoping something ends and and i get it because i've been there you know where you just like you know, i just kind of want this to be over not realizing that some of the gifts you have during that season um is not it, you're not going to have it when this season is over and so you got to appreciate even difficult seasons, you have to learn to appreciate certain things during those seasons because when you're not in that season anymore, you may not have those things. And and so, you know, again, like um, the joy is in the journey, even if the journey feels terrible, yeah. you know, so. No, I, I think uh, not, uh, I don't want to bring it up on your end, but I was in a restaurant the other day and this couple were there, they had two kids and one of them was four or five-year-old little boy and he was having a bad time. And thankfully, it wasn't very crowded, so it was pretty much us and them and one other couple. And and um, this kid was having a rough time, and the father took him out like three times, you know, because he kept crying and having a rough day. And and he came back, and finally the father looked at me, and he said, man, I'm very sorry he's having a bad day. And then I just stopped him, and I said, uh, man, be thankful for that bad day. And I told him about, you know, Jabin and our loss of Jabin. And I said, I'd give my life today if I could have him for one day having a bad day. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. do what you need to do with your son, but don't don't let it be a right. negative. 
even on a bad day, you have him. That's right. And he's healthy. Yeah. You know, and, and I think in life we are so worried about the image of everything or the stress of everything. And he was like, I just don't want him to ruin y'all's. And I'm like, I'm just sitting here going, man, be thankful you have your son. Yeah. You know, I'm not yeah. sitting here going, why don't he shutting his kid up? I'm over here going, be thankful you have your son. Don't, you know, don't, don't let this go south on you. Right. And yeah. I think in life we have, we all have to consciously do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a decision. Uh, it is, yeah. it is, you know, on our bad day is still a good day compared to other people's situation, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and you mentioned in the, I think you mentioned in the message, because you, you, you just said like the joy in the journey. Didn't you mention Craig Rochelle? Yeah. And that whole, yeah, you, that talk, was, you were talking about the came, conference, right? Yeah, that was where it came from. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I mean, he's, he said several powerful things because, you know, we were at that conference together and I totally agree. Uh, not only was he talking to me, he was looking <laughs> at me the whole time he was doing it. I swear he was, I promise. <laughs> Out of 5,000 people, he was staring at you, I'm right? I'm not kidding. I, we <laughs> made, right back to I you. Swear, I swear, we made eye contact more than once and he was talking right at me. I, I swear. I felt that way. Seriously. I even, I was sitting next to Adam Garrido and I even said something to Adam. I was like, he needs to look somewhere else. Like, yeah, <laughs> but he, he was talking about, uh, he, he had a couple like one liners, you know, yeah. like the prizes in the process and the yeah. glories in the grind and, uh, um, you know, joy in the journey, that type of thing. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, man, I kind of got a hold of that a few years ago, listening to like Gary V, so other stuff, but yeah, kind of fought the idea of falling in love with the process. And I really kind of took that to heart a few years ago. And then hearing a guy that's a, a pastor kind of along those same lines, you know, cause if not, if you're the type that like I am, you're never content. Well, yeah. You're always wanting what's next instead of yeah. learning to enjoy even in the process we're in now, like, you know, yeah, I would love, I want God to move in our church and us to grow and all these different things, but I have to fall in love with what he's doing like today and how we get there. That's the, that can be the fun part. If not, there's no contentment. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, that's what Craig was talking about was, you know, for those of you who don't know, Craig Rochelle pastor is the largest church in America. And between all his campuses, he has a hundred thousand people each weekend, uh, which is astounding. Uh, and what he was talking about is how he realized <clears throat> that even though there's a hundred thousand people that a sh- that show up to his churches each weekend, uh, that there's there's no arrival, right? Like you, he, he said, you know, because when it's a hundred thousand, you can't wait till you have a hundred twenty. If you don't learn to appreciate your journey, if you don't learn to find joy in the journey, not waiting for the destination to celebrate, but celebrating in the midst of the journey, you're going to find yourself in a peaceless, monotonous, and depressing life. And I think that's where a lot of people keep finding themselves. They're waiting for this destination, this magical moment. You know, if I could just make 50000 a year instead of thirty, if I could just make a hundred instead of fifty, if I could just buy the five-bedroom house instead of the three-bedroom house, if I could just get the new car instead of the used car, if I could just get the you know and it's like you they, man you, there's always going to be something that is better than what you have and if you don't just if you don't build peace uh around where you're at and the journey that you're on and all of those things you're you're really going to find yourself again wishing your life away um you know it, the the simplistic routines you know especially if you're married you know like um, 
for myself and Ashley, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're, I'm scraping into some consulting things now, you know, we pastor the church. I'm scraping and consulting things. We're looking at other avenues of generating this and doing those things and, and teaching at the pipeline twice a week. And like, you know, she's got other stuff where she serves and like, and so, you know, we're doing more things, which is creating more opportunities. And even from a financial perspective, it creating more opportunities to get more income. But there are times where I'm like, man, I remember when life was more simple. You know what I mean? Like our mortgage was less, you know, we don't have a ridiculous house or anything. We just have a, a, we have a nice home, but it's not anything outlandish, you know, (laughs) built in 1991. Like it's, you know, uh, it's remodeled. Yeah. And Pastor did a great job at it. For the record. (laughs) Yeah. But nonetheless, like it's, it it is a nice home, you know, but it's nothing outlandish, you know, it's not a mansion or anything, you know, so, uh, but uh, we moved from a smaller house uh, that was older to a, you know, a slightly newer home that was larger. But I remember when the mortgage was less, you know, um, at one point in time, we both had cars that were paid off, you know, like I had a Dodge Magnum, that thing was a hunk of junk, but whatever. Um, she had a Saturn something, you know, like, <laughs> and both cars were paid off. Like now granted, both of them eventually just quit running and we had to, you know, get new cars. But, but I just, those life was simple. Then we didn't have to work as hard, but it didn't matter that we weren't working as hard because we didn't have as much to pay for. And the more we add into our life to make us feel fulfilled, the more we have to do to be able to afford the things that make us feel fulfilled. And then if we're honest with ourselves, none of those things actually end up making us feel fulfilled. So now we're working harder without the benefit. And, and so I think a lot of us find ourselves in those positions, you well, know, I think one thing that we've lost the ability to do, you know, the day a little house on the prairie is over, yeah, um, man, yeah. you know, but why do we have to talk so much about rest and peace? It's because it's not a pro- part of our daily life Yeah, that yeah. we live on this high energy, got to be going all day, every yeah. day, full blast. You know, we can't, we don't know how to sit still. Yeah. We don't know how to just be quiet. We, we don't even know what quietness sounds like because there's, or, or is like, there shouldn't be any. Um, when I, you know, today when I'm in my truck, I don't even, I don't even listen to worship music. I don't listen to anything. It's silence. It's man. silence. <laughs> and because yeah. that's just a time I don't want, I don't have to have some noise around me all the time. Yep. And we've lost the ability to do that, to just go home and sit in a chair and not feel like the TV's got to be going, stereo's got to be going, something's got to be going, got to be on Facebook, yeah. I've got to be doing something all the time. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, five days into that, we're like, man, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Well, you haven't had you. any quiet time at all. Yeah. yeah. You know, and we, we create the environment that's draining us. Yeah. And if we looked at a big chunk of that, that week that is draining us, it was really nothing accomplished in those hours, but just noise, stress. We create it. We create that environment because we've lost yeah. the simplicity of life. Mm-hmm. You know, that's good. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what you know. Uh, for you know, for me, uh, part of my daily routine. You know, the first thirty minutes that I'm awake, Ashley's already kind of Ashley's doing her thing, so getting ready for work, you know, working out or whatever. Man, the first thirty minutes that I'm awake every day, I'm doing nothing. I'm sitting in my kitchen. 
Um, and, uh, some, uh, even during this particular time frame, sometimes I'm like reading. Um, but a lot of times I'm genuinely just sitting there and I'm staring at the counter <laughs> and I'm in just silence and I'm just kind of resting like my brain, you know, you know, the day is about to get chaotic, you know, things are going to go crazy. And so before the, before everything goes nuts, it's just resting a little bit. And a lot of times is that, a lot of times that is even prayer, you know, just like talking to the Lord, but man, just finding key moments to just like rest a little bit. And so, I mean, those things are incredibly helpful and they're necessary because you're right. Like, you know, we, we never, we didn't used to have to talk about rest in the capacity that we do now, you know, but we didn't used to have to, um, work so hard to find it back then. You know, it's, it's, it's just different. Things have changed. And and so we have to make sure that we're uh, creating space for, for rest. And before we move too far in the into the notes and, and talking about Sunday, um, a pastor, a uh, friend of our pastor, Brad Odom and Milton, posted a question when we were talking about back talking to someone, and he asked, do you have any recommendations on who can do counseling for pastors? That may be something we need to send to him separately, but... Um, yeah, I, I would rather not put a name here. Somebody there. could get overwhelmed with phone calls. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but yes, um, there's some really good people out there. Um I, I, every pastor needs a counselor. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a licensed counselor, though I recommend that. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll put it out there. Um, I've never seen a counselor. I was taught that that was a sign of weakness. And uh, after my grandson, Jabin's death, I was advised by Scott Thomas, one of our overseers. Um, a pastor. A pastor. Who, he and his wife see a counselor. And he's the one that really encouraged me because he said, we don't see a counselor because we're having trouble. We see a counselor to keep from having trouble. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and so since uh, November of last year, I've regularly been seeing a counselor. And it was, it's been the most painful experience, uh, in a sense, of really having yeah. to deal honestly with some issues that I let happen. Uh, feelings, emotions, fears, things like that. But it's been the healthiest. Yeah. A journey uh, of my 61 years in the last year of really getting ministered to and getting healing from issues that are from childhood that we couldn't deal with because we were told, don't talk to somebody. Right, right, right. You know, God's anointings on your life, you're okay. That's the counseling I got when I went to get some. <laughs> right. Yeah. You yeah. know, you're preaching to thousands. It's okay. God's anointings on your life. And then I'm going back to a hotel and, and hurting. Yeah. And so pastors need to have somebody that they can sit down and trust. And the reason that I encourage you to go to professional counselor is they're bound by law not to say anything. (laughs) Not that you've got hidden things, but it just gives you that assurance that nobody's going to talk about what I'm talking about. And they're equipped. Yeah. I think that's they're they're equipped. Yeah. Yeah. They they know how to deal with issues that you're going through. And I see a secular counselor. I don't even see a religious counselor. Um, because I didn't want a bunch of scriptures thrown at me that I already know, not yeah. that I, and I believe in. Yeah, we know all the things to say. And, and again, that was <laughs> at the advice of Scott Thomas. He said, yeah. don't go see someone that's going to tell you what you already know. Go see someone that's going to take you through the journey of life you're in right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and that's going to talk honest with you. And, and it's been a very helpful. So, Brad, I uh, would definitely, uh, yep. you know, we can get some uh, pa- names pa- to you, and, and I encourage you to go. Yeah, Pastor Brad, just shoot me a text and we'll get all that to you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, no, I mean, it's important and it's necessary, you know, uh, same uh, same for me, you know, I, I think, 
just being honest with people, you know, those that are listening, you know, um, I, I'm seeing someone now I'm talking with somebody. Um, they're not local. Um, for me, I felt like getting outside of my city was something that was going to help me be more honest and transparent. And so that's what I, that's what we did. And, uh, one of our pastor friends, same thing, you know, talking to one of my pastor friends who I really, really look up to. Um, he was telling me he's seeing somebody and then talking to pastor Scott. And after talking to pastor Scott and talking to this other friend of mine, them telling me all the guys that they know, see people, I mean, Craig Michelle's very transparent about the fact that he sees somebody on a regular basis. And it's like, Oh, so like all these really successful people have something in common. Like they, they don't talk to somebody. They don't try to like strongman this thing. They, they have people helping them work through their thoughts. And, and even you pastor, I mean, I know you would agree with this. Had you been talking to someone the whole time, then it wouldn't be so painful to deal with it. I mean, you still would have had to deal with it, but rather than going through a a huge, like emotional surgery, you could have been taking small steps this whole time, you know? And I think for a lot of people, that's what, if, if they, if they can start taking small steps now, they won't have to overcome a big mountain later, you know? I, I even think little, little things. I mean, we all grew up even, even our generation, but surely yours, um, you know, there's that guy, I think he's in Detroit or somewhere, that guy that runs that school for those kids, yeah. uh, the inner city kids that teaches them karate and stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, he's a Christian. But uh, he he did a talk I saw on YouTube, uh, it was like at a men's kind of event, grown men. Yeah. He was talking about crying. You know, men are taught, you know, boys, <clears throat> guys don't, men don't cry. You know, we teach that to boys, don't cry, you know, suck it up. Um, but he was talking about, you know, when you cry from, uh, like stress, there's there's actually stress hormones in tears. So when you cry, you're getting that out of your body. But when we teach boys not to cry, they're holding that in. You're teaching them to literally almost implode. You know, it's like, yeah. and it's even those type of things. I mean, that's what we're taught. You know, a lot of, in, in a lot of homes, it's, um, you know, yeah. be, be, be tough, don't cry. It's like, but man, yeah. even just on those, those tears are releasing those stress hormones and things. Yeah. I mean, and everybody it's, knows it's you feel better after a good cry. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. for real, like yeah. you're going through something, like sometimes you just got to cry it out. And, and, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm an, I'm an exceptional compartmentalizer. Um, I can put things in a box and close the lid on that box and really put it to the side. And, and, uh, I think I'm really good at that. The problem is, um, I think I'm really good at that, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I was telling a pastor friend of mine yesterday, it's like, I mean, you can, uh, you, if you don't eventually deal with what's in those boxes, those boxes will start to deal with you, yeah. you know? Um, and so even those of us that are the best at blocking out pain and some of those things, like there's, there comes a time where you, you just can't do it. No, I, I'm, with it. you know, we talked about this and we're, we're going to maybe address this, at some point uh, on a Sunday. But, you know, in my meeting with a counselor, I, Pastor Scott just pulled me aside last November when we were hunting and, and said, I really want you to go see someone. And he said, you're in depression. Of course, Jabin had passed away. And, yep. and um, you know, and I didn't deal with that good because I really was convinced God was going to heal Jabin and it just knocked the wind out of me. Yeah. We'd watched him do it to Tommy. I wasn't expecting anything less than Jabin. And, uh, man, when I went to see a counselor, and they did all the tests on me. Um, depression comes in three categories, mild, moderate, and major. I was at the highest level of moderate. I was in chronic depression. Mm. Uh, the majority of people at my level of depression had either taken their life or they were under heavy medication. And the counselor told me, he said, you're, 
a functioning alcoholic and depression is your alcohol. Mm. You have done this so long that you can do it and feel nothing. And, yeah. and you're numb, but yeah, you can preach to a thousand people because you know how to do that now. Yeah. And, and they can feel like everything's fine in your world and you're crashing. And that's where a lot of pastors are. That's where a lot of parents are today. Well, forget, yeah, that's pastor, man, forget pastor. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so I'm encouraging you today, talk to somebody. Yeah. You know, and, and I, it's been a journey. I was for 13 years a caregiver. And for my dad, for my brother, who both passed away of a brain disease, I was by their bed, then Tommy's accident, then Jabin. And every one of them were overlapping where there were two of them at a time. Yeah. And, and it, and I didn't realize how much that was taking from me. Mm-hmm. And, and then when Jabin passed away, it just took the cap off and, and, and I went into major depression, chronic depression. Yeah. Well, and, and even on top of that, you know, is that on top of that is you kind of found yourself in a position where there really wasn't anything driving you anymore. No. You know, like the, you, when, you know, once you, when you do that for so long and then that last person, you know, goes home to be with the Lord or whatever the case may be, you know, like with Jabin, you know, he passed away. I, I bet you, you wouldn't have noticed it as much if there was someone else in a crisis and you were able to step into that crisis. And, you know, and for some of us where, where everyone else is help where, you know, we're constantly, I'm helping this person, helping this person. And then immediately after that, we're helping this person. And, and a lot of people are just, they're, they're giving and giving and giving, and they don't realize they're, they're in depression they don't realize anxiety is eating them up they 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 may feel it they know something's not right but the activity keeps them so busy that they're not paying attention to their own health um you know and had there been you know god forbid had there been someone else in our family that was in a crisis you probably would have been able to step into that crisis and continue to block out your own health and continue to block out your own pain and not deal with it um you know but simultaneously uh, you also weren't the lead pastor of the church anymore, you know, so Jabin's passed. So you, there is nothing to occupy your brain. And the minute you took a step back from all the stuff that had kept you busy for the last 35 years, you went, I am not okay. <laughs> like, you know, and I think some people's activity is masking the lack of mental health that they have. Yeah. I think their activity <clears throat> is lacking, is masking, um, how disrupted their piece is, you know, so they're just like, well, just keep moving, just keep moving. And they're, they're to an extent that's necessary. We talked about that on Sunday to an extent that's necessary, not from a keep going to work and pretending nothing's wrong. We were talking about it from a spiritual context of moving your faith. But, you know, that's one of the things I just wanted to bring up is, is it also had to do with the fact that, you know, um, you had something that you felt like you just had to keep moving for. Well, I think that's important. I'm thinking of a, one of my counseling sessions where they they gave the statistics, and I can't remember them, but um, a huge percentage of the caregivers pass away before the patient they're giving care to does. Oh, wow. That is so mentally, physically, and emotionally draining on the caregiver that it causes their body yeah. to shut down, and they die before the person they were taking care of. Wow. Yeah. And how much of society today has all of us mentally, whether we're pastors, parents, teachers, whatever, we become caregivers in our mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're responsible for this. And we take on responsibilities for people that sometimes aren't ours to carry. Yeah. And and we we're destroying ourselves inwardly while we're taking on the responsibility to provide care for someone else. It goes back to what was it last week or the week before? The you know, helping people carry their burdens. 
yeah. versus and, and versus carry their load two weeks. Yeah, ago. that that was well, good, and 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 that's why I, I mean, we had a we had a fantastic small group Sunday night. Uh, it was and before you got, I mean, you before were talking I about it yesterday. There, yeah. Before you got, well, it was good when you got there too. But well, so we had some good discussion. Before you got there, it was great. <laughs> and we had good, we had good discussion before you got yeah. there. But it was, it was showing the importance, you know, because even what we're saying is, is to the person out there that maybe you're, you're not a pastor, but you just need some good relationships. And there were some people sharing some of the stuff that they have been through and how. Uh, one guy, he's new to our church, young, young guy, he's in the military. Um, and he, you know, he said you get stationed all over and you, you're alone. You don't know anybody. And he was talking about even just coming to a small group and finding a, a good church. He's, he's been able to kind of, God's got him through feeling that way, mm-hmm. you know, like that's, that's huge. Um, and, and if you definitely need counts like a counselor, like we, we as pastors of the church, especially if you're part of our church, like we will sit with you and talk with you. The disclaimer is we're not counselors, yeah. you know, and there's yeah, even yeah, legalities yeah. with that. Um, and, and that's why the relationships are so important and, and have a meeting. We'll, we'll sit and then don't be surprised if we refer. That's kind of something we've been talking about is at yeah. what level do we refer? Cause it goes back to the equip thing. Well, and, and I'm just going to put it out there because I've seen it the last few weeks a lot on Facebook where there's a lot of criticism toward mega churches and large churches and pastors of large churches. And, and anytime you see that, or fastest growing churches, and then people are attacking, and and all of a sudden, every time you'll see these, these super spiritual people get on there and go, yeah, but they're not doing real ministry, uh, counseling's taking the place of prayer meetings, and and things you got to get past that. Uh, Uh, The churches are growing because of prayer meetings. People have lost interest in church. So if they're coming to your church, they're being drawn by the Holy Spirit to be there. And lives are truly being transformed. We're watching that happen every Sunday. And we're hearing it, the testimonies from churches all over the nation. Uh, The church has never been more alive and effective than it is today. Jesus said in these hours that greater things are we going to see happen than ever before. Uh, and we're seeing that happen and we celebrate Definitely. in that, but we're also learning that we're not everything to everybody. Yeah. And, and we have to build, know, understand that. And so, uh, I just want to throw it out there that people are crazy. Uh, don't listen to the negativity on yeah. talking to someone, going to someone, letting someone speak into your life. It, uh, prayer changes things, but prayer doesn't do it all. And I'm, yeah. I'm going to sit here and tell you, if you don't pray, nothing else works. That's right. You know, prayer is the first priority of everything that we do. But uh, I love what uh, Chris Hodges says is prayer is the difference of what I can do and God can do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, but uh, so I'm not diminishing prayer, but I am going to admonish, talk to somebody and talk to somebody that's trained to help walk you through the seasons of life, whether it's a counselor or a pastor yeah. that's educated in that field or whatever but get to somebody and let them walk you through the journey of life. That's good. So yeah, good. Definitely. Definitely. I, I think that's, you know, those, those, th- those understandings are important. You know, we talk about peace and we talk about how easily it's disrupted. And we talk about, I mean, we just, you know, as you kind of expound on, on why people don't have peace, you know, you really start to pay attention to, uh, you know, how easily disrupted it is. I mean, how, we continue to try to live lives and live lifestyles and, you know, um, pursue after things and man, just we're, we're chasing, we, we live in this state of chasing or we experience trauma and we just don't deal with it in a healthy way. And so 
and we got to do both of those things. That's good. Um, and they're just necessary. Um, and so we'll kind of, we can hit those three points from Sunday, J.O., and just kind of give them to people. If you want the sermon from Sunday, go listen to the sermon from Sunday. Please you know, go listen to the <laughs> Yeah, message. it's good. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we talked about peace, but we'll give you the, the three points. What's the first one, J.O.? Uh, peace is a, is a person, not a position. Peace is a person, not a position. We, uh, we On Sunday, we, we were talking about how um, so often we're waiting for this position of peace where things aren't crazy anymore and we don't feel like hell is disrupting our life and you know the the seas are calm like everything's good um we're waiting for a position of peace or like this place of peace and, and position uh, peace isn't in a place it's not a position it's not a mentality it's not a situation it's not a calmness in your circumstances you know we, this idea that peace is a person you know um you are at peace when jesus is in your circumstances not when your circumstances aren't in a storm you know right um, is the is the idea of what we were talking about on Sunday? We we really referenced the story of Jesus in the boat. You know, he falls asleep <laughs> down in the boat, and the storm hits, and the disciples are freaking out. You know, and they're coming to him like, "Master, don't you care if we die?" You know, and he's like, "You know, I I again like I picture Jesus like wiping his eyes, like, oh gosh, like you woke me up for this." <laughs> he walks up there like rebukes a storm. Like, it's almost like. I'm in the boat. Do you think we're going to die? Yeah, seriously. (laughs) I'm in the boat. I'm in the boat. Do you think I'm going to the bottom of this? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But at the same time, like, I feel like that's what Jesus is telling some of us. You know what I mean? Like, I'm in your story. You really think I'm going to let you, like, you really think we're going to go down together? Like, um, I'm in your story. We're we're not going to sink. Like, so, um, you know, Jesus just tells the storm, you know, peace be still and the waves waves were calm and um so it even go it even goes further to say that we didn't read this Sunday, but the disciples the one of the translations there says that they were terrified, you know. Like and you, you can imagine like oh my gosh. Like you know, it's one thing to like it, 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 the, so one of the one of the commentaries I was reading was talking about how, you know, most of Jesus um most of his miracles up until this point could somewhat be explained. Right. So, um, so a lot of Jesus, you know, Jesus turns water into wine. Like, Oh, that's a cool magic trick, you know, cause you're dealing with, with something like uh, someone switched it, you know, Jesus opens the blind man, blind man's eyes. Right. And it's like, well, maybe he could already see, or maybe he could see a little bit and like, like, uh, maybe his eyesight wasn't completely restored, you know, like, like people you know like so the disciples you know when you when you start to really like bring a a human element to the disciples most of his miracles in their mind they could somewhat discredit maybe god wasn't actually involved like okay maybe it was you know maybe this is an explanation you know and and it even went as far as to say like perhaps around like campfires and moments where Jesus wasn't around, they were like, yeah, but well, maybe the blind guy wasn't this, or maybe the, the water and the wine was, or maybe, you know, and they were, they would do some of those things. Um, and even talk about some of the, some of his miracles. He's like, but this is the first time that he wasn't controlling a person or a situation that could be described or like defined as magic. He's, they're like, ter- like the wind and the waves listen to him. Right. You know what I mean? And for a lot of us, I think that that's where we find ourselves. It's like we can logically explain, um, you know, when God comes through in our finances 
it's like, yeah, but you know, I just got a raise. And so that, you know, maybe you can push that. That wasn't really God. Like I've been working for there for 10 years and I finally got my raise since like, or, you know, medically it's like they do a, you know, they do a scan, they find a lump, you know, or whatever. And then someone prays for you and you go back and the lump's gone. It's like, well, maybe they just messed up on the first scan. You know what I mean? Um, and so we, we, I think we can do that, right? Like we can put off some of the miraculous things that God does in our life. Um, like, oh, well, maybe it was just this or maybe it was just that. And it's when God really steps into storms where there genuinely is no way out. And he does something amazing and you're just like baffled. That's what I loved. I loved in your transition. Uh, we were talking about Tommy, you know, after his wreck, you know, it's like, no, 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 no. Every doctor and every specialist was like, he is dead. Like, there's the only thing keeping him alive right now is these machines. Like, when we turn them off, he will die and he's gone. Yeah. You know, period. Like, you know, <laughs> that's it. Um, and so it's like, there is no, there was no mess ups. Like, there was, you know, it was God in that room. It was, you know, G, the person of Jesus being in that storm that brought life back to it, um, back to him, you know? And so anyways, that some of those things, some of those nuances you don't really get to read until you know about them. But you know, those, so that's huge. Um, so it's helpful. Absolutely. So, um, so two. yeah, pieces of person. Number two pieces about faithfulness, not fearlessness. Pieces about faithfulness, not fearlessness. And I think this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, how, you know, sometimes the our, the pastors that have been trying to help us or just people, you know, so we just need to pray more. You know, they're taking on this idea of like just, be, you know, almost like, or, you know, suck it up. Or it's like, you know, you got to take on this mentality of fearlessness. Like, ah, like just white knuckle it, you know, like you'll be fine. Just whatever. And it's like, well, but maybe not. Like, <laughs> you know, like, um, and, and it's not a matter of being fearless. It's not a matter of facing what you're going through with fearlessness. It's facing what you're going through with Jesus and faithfulness. Right. And this is what we talked a little bit about your, about activity. You know, it's not activity for the sake of trying to accomplish and overcome the hurdles that are coming at you. It's the sake of being active in your faith, even when it seems like it's pointless, you know, or even when it seems like the situations are too large or the circumstances are too difficult, it's continuing to apply your faith in those types of situations. Um, you know, so. Well, both of those, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You through. Yep. Both of those points go back to a personal relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. It's a person, not a position. That's right. And it's an act of faithfulness, not fearless or fearlessness. Yeah. Fearlessness. That um, it's all about a relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. And when you're on the other side, it's when you're talking about it being a place, fear, trying to not operate in fear, all of that's about what's around me and how strong I am. When we deal with the, the proper way of walking in peace, it's a personal relationship with Jesus. And through that, I can have total faith in him. Yeah. And sometimes we have to be careful that our even our Christian routine doesn't become our, our Christian journey. If, if I'm making yeah. sense, yeah. there has to be that personal. It's not religion. It's, yeah. It has yeah. to be that personal relationship yeah. with Jesus. The Bible says the peace of God will soon crush Satan under our feet. Mm -hmm. It's not our peace. Right. And when we're trying to find that peace in a place 
or not being fear fearful, making myself strong, we're going to lose that battle every time. Yeah. But it's the peace of God, and we find that through a personal relationship with Christ that will crush Satan. Peace is our greatest weapon of our spiritual artillery is peace. Yeah. The greatest weapon we have. You can know the scripture. You can lead, You can have all those things, but if you don't have peace, peace does this. Peace gives us a confidence in God's word that he's going to come through. That's it. And if we don't have peace, we lose confidence. Thus, we begin to doubt, and doubt turns into unbelief. That's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good. I like what you said in the in the message, too, about um, with it being not about fearlessness, but, you know, talking about in Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and that mm-hmm. whole story. But, you know, we've got to start looking for his entrance, talking about God's entrance rather than our exit. Yeah. Right. You know, that, that, was a, that was a good statement, especially in light of talking about that story, you know, that— Right. Yeah. You know, and they were they were pretty mouthy, you know. Even <laughs> if God doesn't deliver us, like we're right, we're right. still not like yeah. you know, God the God we serve will deliver us from from you. Right. And that's even the relationship if, though. And even if he doesn't right, right, right. they didn't say that through church attendance. That's yeah. right. That's right. They, that's, they made that statement through relationship. And that's why I love that story, man. I, you know, I was uh, originally we were just going to rock with uh John four and the story of Jesus on the boat through the whole thing. But I love that story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, not, not just because they got thrown in a fire and weren't burned, but it was, it's the nuances that surround it. You know, it's the level of faith that these three boys have, you know, and I, and it's one of the reasons I think it's necessary to bring a human element to these people that we read about in the Bible. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, I, I do believe that probably at least one of them at one point was like, Hey, y'all do think he's going to save us, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like there's a human element to these people. They're not just like superheroes of the faith. Like these are people that are like, you know, like I really hope this works out the way I think it's going to and that we're praying it's going to and that God, you know, like I, I really hope, you know, but their, their faith, their, to me, the evidence of their faith wasn't them getting <clears throat> thrown in the fire. To me, the evidence of their faith was them saying, even if we don't, even if he doesn't save us, and that, like, man, that is what why I love the story because it's like well, clinging to God surpasses our understanding sometimes. Well, and I talking about bringing a human element to it, like you must put yourself in that. You're one of those, you know. You you have such faith in God that no matter what happens to me, He's with me. I'll be with Him. Mm-hmm. So surely I'm not about to survive this fire. Right, so right, right. you're mouthy because doesn't matter what happens to me. God's on my side. He'll yeah. be he'll be victorious, even if I, as soon as you put me in, I'm burned. I'm I'm with him. So yeah. I would yeah. think the mouthy comes from <laughs> I'm not gonna. The God we serve can deliver us. That's the mouthy. Then the then the uh, cover yourself statement is. But even if he doesn't, right? Which to me is still cool though because. It's like, and then he did though. Yeah. Like he, he, he you know, <laughs> yeah. so it's like, it's just cool either way. It's like, it yeah. goes back to the relationship and faith that God is who he says he is. And doesn't matter what happens to me. You can do whatever you want to me. I'm not bound to your statue. Um, yeah. You know, that, that's. We that's often miss, I think one of the key elements of that story, the Bible says not a hair on their head was yeah. burned and there was no smell of smoke on them. And we, we don't preach that no smoke issue because what happens in life is we all go through fiery furnace experiences and we get delivered from those, but then we carry the smell of it on us the rest of our life. Oh, that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah, that's and good. we never have peace because we don't get rid of the smell. Mm-hmm. And, and I often think of Tommy and Cindy 
when we we hear that story that yeah, man. as children they watched their mother, brother, and sister murdered. Cindy was stabbed four times through the throat. They they dealt with that. Shot her. They're being passed around from family to family. We were blessed to have them come into our family. Then their dad comes back into their life and then dies of stomach cancer, and and they're being a caregiver to him. And then Tommy's accident that he died and then God gave him back to us. But you get around either one of them, you don't smell the smoke. Yeah. That's it. That's good. You would never know either one of them went through anything in life. They're, they're thankful. They're grateful. They're happy. They're yeah. encouraging. They're always givers, not takers. Yeah. They don't carry the smell of smoke around on their life. Come on. That's good. Though if anybody had a right to, they do. Yeah. But if you get around them, they're peaceful and they bring an atmosphere of peace. And I think we have to be careful not just to let God get us out of the furnace, but we got to get rid of the smell. That's yeah. so good. Yeah. Uh, that's so true man yeah (laughs) so you're never going to have peace as long as you keep the smell yeah it reminds me of paul you know even talking about the three boys you know me like even if he doesn't it takes me back to the words of paul you know and it's like listen if you kill me i'm going to heaven if you leave me here i'm preaching the gospel like there's nothing you can do to me (laughs) you know like and there's like you know even the the pharisees and stuff at that time and and Romans and all that. So like, there wasn't, like, there's nothing we can do to this guy. Like, yeah. he's like, kill me. I'm going to heaven. I'll be with Jesus. They're like, all right, well, we won't kill you. We're going to throw you in I'm prison. A- he's like, perfect. I'm going to have the best prison ministry yeah. ever. Like, I'm, it's save, like, I'm saving the, the whole the He's whole almost place. saying, you're going to have to kill me yeah. to shut me up. Right. Like, and if you do, yeah, whatever. Which is what we, I think we find the three Hebrew boys, right? Yeah. They're like, listen, throw, throw us in the fire. We're, yeah. ser- we're serving God. Like, you know, which... I mean, going back to what we're talking about, you know what I mean? It's like, how, how many people would have bowed to the statue? You know what I'm saying? We talk about like, man, how many people of, you know, modern times, you know, have Christianity? It's like, but if, if they were put in that situation, they'd sure enough be bowing to that statue. You know, like they, some, I'm going to just say that, it, you know, some people would be bowing to that statue just to get an extra thousand followers on Instagram. <laughs> like some people uh, would bow to that, that statue. Yeah. And that, you know, we, we could quickly take this somewhere. I, mean, I, <laughs> like, I think you see people bowing now in regards to politics, politics and everything, everything else. else, man. Yeah. Now, on both sides. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's all the way around. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 uh, it's, we live in a, t- a time of extremes. Yeah. That's right. You know, if, if we can go back, I just really feel to do this. Go back. Um, you know, there's some people out there that, that are really listening. And I think it's a, you know, I'm one of these guys that believe that God has a divine appointment every day. And if we're sensitive, we'll meet it. But, there's some people out there right now that you're you've been brought out of a relationship that was very painful and you're asking God for peace from it but you haven't let go of the smell Mm. you you've come through a crisis in life and you've got a deep offense and a deep wound and you're out of the fire but you've still got you keep the smell yeah Mm -hmm. you know there's things in your life that you've gone through that God has brought you through but you haven't let go of the smell and you've been asking God, why don't I have, why can't I find peace from this situation? Mm. And, and I just felt to go back to that for somebody out there mm. that you've got to let God clean the smell as much as he heals the pain. Yeah. And if you can get rid of the smell, let God take away the smell. That's when you're going to find the perfect peace of Christ. And, let's, and, and pastor help, you know, for those that aren't, maybe I can't read between the lines just yet. When you say smell, are you, you talking about bitterness, you're unforgiveness. talking about unforgiveness. Okay. It can be so many different things. Anything that reminds you of. Yeah. Even towards the Lord, bitterness towards, Absolutely. towards God. My, my greatest battle in losing Jabe's, Jabe and was anger at God. Yeah. 
because I'd given 39 years of my life to full-time ministry and you don't heal my grandson. Yeah. yeah. You know, I had to deal with that. I'm just being honest. Yeah. Uh, and I'm still walking through that. Yeah. You know, when I just yesterday, I'm in a store and this guy's got his old grandson and they're playing and happy and it just hit me. And I, I, I just walked out. I didn't even buy what I was going to buy. I just I had to go get in my truck and walk through that smell of, OK, God, why did you not let me keep Jabin? Why am I not doing that with my grandson today? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. so it's a journey that you've got to continue. It's not I'm not saying you just go, OK, smell, you're gone. It can be a process. It can be something instant. But if you don't identify it, then you'll spend the rest of your life asking for a peace that you'll never obtain because yeah. there's a smell of a wound or hurt, a disappointment that you got to let God remove the smell as much as he removes the situation. Yeah. And it will be a choice. Yeah. Every day is a choice. At some point, it, yeah. At some point, it's, you know, you can you can operate under feelings for a while, but at some point it will be a choice. Yeah. Um, and you have to make that choice to surrender, you know, and your your bitterness your unforgiveness how you feel you know um and that's why i think that's why i think a healthy theology is so important you know we've i think we've theology is a big conversation around here lately especially with pipeline students and all those things but having a proper view of who god is and who god's not you know um and um i you know i i think you're if I could say, I think you're, you're, you've been in ministry for 35 years and you're uh, wrestling with that. Next year now. will be 40. Uh, next August will be 40 years. 40 time. years. Oh, wow. 40 years of ministry. 2020 of August, we moved to the Bronx. Yeah. Wow. So, so, uh, you know, that even after 40 years wrestling with who God is versus who you've always believed God was and, and those complexities, man, those are, um, those can be difficult because, you know, um, I think, especially in America, we build up this version of God that the Bible doesn't necessarily speak to, you know, so we've, we've Americanized the God of the Bible. Um, you know, we've, we've painted him in the red, white, and blue. And I don't mean that against America. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we've created an American version of the gospel. We've created an American version of God that turns him into a candy man and an ice cream truck driver. That's just there to deliver whatever it is we're aiming for him to deliver. Um, rather than seeing who he is, which is the holy, righteous, just Lord of the universe that use words to create the sun, moon, and stars who will do the things that he will do for the, the greatest glory glory that he can receive and sometimes that goes beyond our comprehension and understanding but it doesn't mean he's any less of god when he does that it just means we have to wrestle through our understandings of why he didn't do some of the things we thought he should um but i think we dangerously paint the picture of god that he is those things that he's you know um that's why i think some of this theology i I think even some of the worship music that some of us listen to we got to be very careful as to what we're listening to because i think it's painting a bad picture of god that when things don't go our way now we're angry right you know it's like when you know god you know everything is for us and god's here for us and it's like no we're here for god like (laughs) you know um and so i think we just have to be very careful of some of those things because if we create an improper view of god then we create a improper view of how god should come through for us and sometimes that's not how things go and then we have to reconcile our feelings on that so and and i mean you kind of plugged it you said the words, but not plugging. <laughs> I know you, I know what you're gonna say. But yeah. there's a good documentary. There's a good documentary on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Yeah, it's called The American Gospel. 
Yeah, I think you still have to pay for it, even though it's on. Amazon. I think you do too, so, but it's worth the fourteen bucks. It is, but it it is um, to understand who, just um, getting a better grasp on who God is, and so uh, all that to say, you know, we're we're scraping our, the edge of our time here. Yeah, but we'll just hit point three real fast. Yep. Um, peace is found in turning around. Yeah, and and the idea of turning around, we were talking about repentance. Yeah. Um, and really helping people understand what repentance is and what it's not. Repentance isn't. I'm saying I'm sorry. Repentance isn't a judgmental thing that the church gets to leverage over sinners. It's is a matter of realizing the direction you're currently going in isn't the direction that God wants you to go in, and then changing that direction um, when God opens your eyes to what needs to change in your life. That's, I mean, that's that's what it is, and realizing that for many of us, we voluntarily put ourselves in positions that steal our peace. That's right. And so turn this, like, you know, and we talked about it Sunday. We gave plenty of analogies, so we're not going to go hash through all of them now, but, you know, are there areas of your life you know God has told you not to do, not to be in, not to encounter, not to engage with, and you keep doing it. And if there is, then that's why you don't have peace. <laughs> so stop doing that so that you can have peace. You know, it, that's not nearly as difficult as some of the other things we've discussed, but just as necessary. So, Absolutely. Well, Pastor, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah. it. All right, guys. J.O., tell them where they can find more about us. You can find us online at transformationchurch.com or Instagram and Facebook at Transformation Pensacola. All right, guys. We appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. I'm heading out today. I'm yes. getting on a plane for five days. I'll be back Saturday, and we'll be ready for a great Sunday morning. Uh, it's going to be a good weekend, but we appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll catch you guys next time for another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast. See you. Thanks for tuning in to the Transformation Church weekly follow-up podcast. It would mean so much to us if you would subscribe, like, and review on iTunes. You get double points if you show us love by sharing it with your friends. Don't forget, you can follow Pastor Justin and Pastor Brad on Instagram and Twitter at Justin Oswald underscore and at Brad Livingston underscore. You can tweet them your questions and comments or email them to us at followup at transformationchurch.com. For more info on Transformation Church, visit us online at transformationchurch.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Transformation Pensacola. We'll be here next week where we will help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us.